Hello, Real Life family and friends. It's Pastor Tim today sharing with you uh, a message about Jesus. And uh, as we approach the Christmas season, it's December, uh, beginning of December, as we approach this amazing time of the year, uh, I, I, I was just kind of intrigued to share a message today on why did Jesus come? Because Christmas is all about the birth of Jesus, right? And, and Him coming, God coming into our world uh, the light coming into the darkness and God showing up in human form and we celebrate the birthday of Jesus. We have great times together with family and friends and uh, you know we all enjoyed time off of work and uh, time spent with family and friends. We enjoy the parties and the food and the snacks and the gift exchanges and the lights and the Christmas decorations and the Christmas trees and all that. But we also know that it all started with the coming of Jesus. So today I want to talk about why did Jesus come? And I, I want to first start by talking about why he didn't come. And three, I think three of the, um, I think most popular uh, wrong ideas about why Jesus came. And one of those, and we see these in the scriptures too, um, in the disciples and others around Jesus in his time. But one of those is that God did not come, Jesus did not come to scold us for our sin. You know, if you think about God and then he, he put us here on this earth and he, he made us in his image and he wanted us to reproduce and be fruitful in his image, bearing love and grace and mercy and, and developing this creation. And we made a mess of it, right? And so some people just feel like God is mad at all of us. And, uh, but God did not come. He didn't come to come and give us a lecture, to shake his finger at us, to scold us. Um, you know, to be mad at us for our sin. We don't see that in Jesus. We don't see that uh, as the reason Jesus came. Thank, thankfully, that God isn't just ticked off at all of us and wants to just, you know, put us in our place. Uh, although sin is the hu a huge issue, God didn't come, Jesus didn't come just to scold us, right? The second thing that I think some people thought is that and, and we're hoping, and especially disciples, many of them, that Jesus came or God came to overthrow the human governments, right? And to establish his earthly power on the earth, his earthly kingdom. And that will happen one day, but that's not why Jesus came the first time, was to set up an earthly kingdom. In fact, Pilate asked him this question. And Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. It's not of this world. And so Jesus was kind of uh, debunking that whole idea that he came to overcome or overthrow maybe the Roman government at the time or the Roman Empire or something and set up you know, a God government on the earth. That's not why he came. Some of his disciples wanted to see him do that too, and they kept asking him about it. But thirdly, Jesus did not come. God didn't come into the earth to set up a new religion. Right? Jesus didn't come to establish a religion called Christianity. In fact, I believe that if you really look at the true essence of Christianity, which is known to be a religion, that it's not really about a religion, but it is about the access to have a relationship with God. And so Jesus did come to give himself. He came to give a relationship or restore a relationship right, with humanity from God to humanity. And uh, he, but he didn't come to create a religion to follow, but he, he, he showed up as God in the flesh. So what I'd like to do is answer this question, why did Jesus come, uh, by um, 
examining five clues uh, in the scriptures as to why he came. And we're going to look at these clues and develop a theme of why Jesus came. So clue number one is the prophecies of the Messiah. For hundreds of years, God spoke through the prophets that a Messiah would come, that, that a Messiah would come and, and had a purpose and a point to it. And one of those prophets is Isaiah. So I'm going to read a couple of different passages from Isaiah. And these prophecies of the Messiah tell us the purpose uh, for which the Messiah is coming. So Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2 and verses 6 to 7 says this, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And certainly, humanity in our sin and our bondage uh, can be described as living in darkness and brokenness and despair. And yet, a Messiah would come, a light would dawn. And it goes on to say, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. So in this context, we can see why uh, the d disciples and others were hoping for a government, right? A, a physical government. But Jesus was announcing something bigger than a physical government. It was a spiritual governing, a governing of the spirit of man, a governing of his heart and his soul and his mind and his will that would control uh, and, and root out sin from within a person. And so he's described as wonderful, mighty, everlasting, and a prince. And he would bring justice and righteousness on the earth. Isaiah 49.6 also says, it, and this is in the context of, of a prophecy that God is picking a chosen servant to come. And he says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. So this prophecy is saying that God has chosen a servant to come, but not just for the people of Israel, not just to restore the people um, of the covenant, but to be a light to the Gentiles. In other words, for the whole world. And he says that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. And so we see this concept of salvation reaching the entire world. So the Messiah is coming to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And my favorite uh, passage out of Isaiah is chapter 53. I just want to read this chapter to you and uh, just celebrate um, that this is embodying uh, Jesus himself. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing is in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. This is all talking about Jesus or the Messiah who would come, the suffering servant goes on to say, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. 
Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. This Messiah would take upon himself our suffering and our pain. Why? Verse 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions, for our sins. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Wow. So this Messiah would come and take our suffering for our sin and our failures and our iniquities upon himself so we could be healed. This is amazing. This is the good news, right? Uh, verse 6, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him, the Messiah, the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a, sleep, as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. In other words, you know, he was killed or he died. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though, and though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered... He will see the light of life. He'll be resurrected. Amen. And be satisfied. By his knowledge, or actually in the, in the Hebrew, it might be better translated, by the knowledge of him, by the knowledge of him, my righteous, by the knowledge of my righteous servant, will justify many. If you know him, if you know Jesus, this is what it's saying, you can be justified. You will be forgiven. And he will bear their iniquities. Therefore I will give him a portion among the great. And he will divide the spoils with the strong. Because he poured out his life unto death. And was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many. And made intercession for the transgressors. And this really is the climax of the purpose of the Messiah. According to the prophets. For he bore the sin of many. And made intercession. He intersected or interceded on behalf of the transgressors. And that's you and that's me. The Messiah has come to save us. So the summary of this first clue is that Jesus is the light that enters the darkness of humanity to save us from our sin. Jesus came to bear our sin so we can be forgiven he bore our sicknesses so we can be healed. And he came to break the power of sin over us so we can be free. So we can be forgiven, we can be healed, and we can be free. This is the summary of clue number one. The prophets, and there's many more that we could spend time on. Uh, there's dozens and dozens of prophecies that describe the role of the suffering servant, the Messiah, who would come to set his people free. This is a good summary. Now, clue number two. It's not just the prophets, but the meaning of Jesus' name. The meaning of Jesus' name tells us 
what he is all about. Now in Hebrew, uh, almost all the names in the Bible are names that describe the very character, nature, and essence of that person. Uh, we remember um, uh, different people being called by different names, like when Isaac was born, um, there was laughter involved, and so his name means laughter. Uh, you know, when Sarah heard that she was going to have this baby, she laughed. And uh, so his name was laughter, and on and on and on. Now, Jesus' name also is the essence. His name is the essence of who he is, what his nature is, and what the purpose of his life is. And so this is a good clue. So what does the name Jesus mean? Well, it's pretty amazing because in the Bible, the Bible actually defines his name right in the scriptures itself. And it was in Matthew 1, verses 20 and 21. It says, An angel of the Lord appeared to him, to Joseph, Jesus's father, uh, in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. This is a miracle. This is a God miracle, right? She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. So the angel told Joseph what to name his son. And his son was not from him, it was from God. So an angel appears in a dream and tells Joseph, you call him Jesus, and then he tells him why. Because he will save his people from their sins. This is awesome. So in Hebrew, Jesus would be pronounced Yeshua. And that word Yeshua means salvation. It means salvation or deliverance. Um, that's what that word means. And so the angel basically said to Joseph, you are to call his name salvation because he will save his people from their sins. So clue number two, Jesus' name literally means the Lord saves, or it means salvation or deliverance. So Jesus came to save us from our sins. All right, clue number three is an angelic introduction. In Luke chapter two, another angel appears uh, to the shepherds in Bethlehem. It says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared, this is Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 11, appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will, be, that will cause great joy for all the people. Remember, um, the prophet Isaiah saying that the servant would come to bring salvation to the ends of the earth, right? And so this angel is repeating this now and saying, this is, this is great news for all, all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This angel links together these three amazing titles. He says, Savior is the Messiah, is the Lord. It's God. It's the, all the prophecies of this Messiah, the anointed one, and he's come to save. This is the purpose of the Messiah 
who is being born today is to be a savior. He's the one. And just by linking these titles together, the angel is defining the role of the Messiah to be a savior. And in addition to that, Jesus is clearly being linked to all of the prophecies of the Old Testament. It's all coming together. So that's clue number three. Heaven itself is describing the role of Jesus as the Messiah is the Savior, is the Lord. Clue number four, Jesus' own words. All right, in Luke chapter 4, perhaps maybe the first message Jesus preaches, he goes to his hometown of Nazareth, and he goes into the synagogue, he opens the scroll, and he reads from the prophet Isaiah in chapter 61. And he reads these words. Says he went to Nazareth, this is Luke chapter 4, verses 16 to 21, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. He, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Now, I just want to pause here. The word Messiah means the anointed one. The anointed one. Okay? And so Jesus is reading this, and he's, and he's reading this passage of Isaiah saying, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. The anointing of the Lord is on me. Right? Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He is identifying himself as the Messiah. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So Jesus is saying, I am this one. This prophecy of the Messiah, you are now looking at him. I am the anointed one who has come to do these things, to save people out of darkness, to give them good news, to release them from the bondage of this darkness. I am that light. I am the Messiah. I am the Savior. So Jesus' own words are uh, showing that he is uh, And his purpose is the same purpose of the Messiah because he is the Messiah to save. And of course, John 3, 16 and 17, Jesus says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Now, Jesus is speaking these words to Nicodemus. And he says, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, right? He didn't send his son. God didn't come to shake his finger, to wage his fist, to scorn us for our sin. It says he did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Not just to save Jews, not just to save Israel, but to save the world. So Jesus' own words are saying the purpose for him being here. The purpose for God coming, the purpose for for him being born and coming and living his life and giving his life was to save the world, to save you and to save me from our sin. 
Clue number four, that's the summary. Jesus is the Messiah. He declares himself to be the Messiah, the Savior, the chosen servant of God, the Son of God, the Son of David. And he identifies himself with the work of salvation, the salvation of mankind from their sins. And not just that, but remember in Isaiah, healing and deliverance. Forgiveness, healing, and deliverance. That's the work of Jesus. The final clue is Jesus's actions. What did Jesus actually do? Of course, this is what makes this message all worthwhile, right? Is he actually gave his life for you and for me. He actually took upon himself, as the prophets said he would, the sin of the world. He bore our sin. He bore our punishment. He bore our rejection and our poverty and our rebellion. He bore the stripes on his back, the beatings and the insults. And he bore our death so that you and I could be saved. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 20, 28, The Son of Man, which he's referring to as himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus said he was going to do this, and Jesus did. In John 10, 10 and 11, Jesus said, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And he goes on to say, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. And that's exactly what Jesus did for you and for me. We know that his purpose was to come to love and to save us from our sin. And so finally, I wanted to share with you, what is your response? What is your response to this? Because this is not just a story. Jesus isn't uh, the creator of a new religion. Uh, we aren't supposed to uh, just feel the wrath of God and, and out of fear, try to behave better. But God has come to save us, to set us free from our sin, and to fully surrender our hearts to Him. When Peter was preaching this message, and the people heard it in Acts chapter 3, their hearts were cut, and they said to him, what do we do? What's the response? Later in chapter 3, in chapter 2, they have that conversation. In chapter 3, another group of people that Peter's talking to, he shares this with them, and he says this to them, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who is appointed for you, even Jesus. Well, Peter, what are you talking about? Send the Messiah. I thought you were just saying that Jesus was the Messiah. He is the Messiah. But there are two comings of the Messiah. Next week, we're going to talk about how Jesus is coming again. He came the first time to save us. But why does he come again? We'll talk about that next week. But the first thing we need to do is respond to the purpose that Jesus came for us the first time. Christmas represents the coming of God to the earth to begin the process of saving us from our sins. This is what we celebrate. We don't just celebrate, you know, the lights and the time off and the family and the blessings of God. 
we are celebrating the salvation of each and every one of us who place our faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. That God came into our darkness and into our brokenness and into our despair and even into our rebellion and our sinfulness and our iniquities and our transgressions. And he bore all of that upon himself so that we could be healed and we could be delivered and we could be forgiven and we could be saved. So the only reasonable response to the coming of Jesus is not just to have a new religion or try to be a better person or just think about these things and the story once a year, but it is to surrender our lives, as Peter said, to repent and turn to God so that our sins might be wiped out, cleaned and washed, and we can be saved from our sin and we can experience times of refreshing and that the Messiah could come again, Jesus can come again and rescue us permanently and eternally out of this sin-infested existence into eternity where there is perfection and joy and, and uh, all, all that God wants for you to experience. And so today, I just invite you, surrender your heart to Him. The whole point of Jesus coming wasn't to create a cool holiday for us. It wasn't to make us feel guilty of our sin. We already feel that. It wasn't to establish something on the earth here. He'll do that later. And it, it wasn't just to create a new religion for you and for me, but it was to save you from your sin. The Bible says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Call on his name today. Call on his name every day. Surrender your life to him. Let him be the true Messiah, the true Savior, and the true Lord of your life. Lord, I just pray for my friend that's listening to this message. You would stir again a fire in their heart, an awareness of the, of the incredible importance of surrendering our hearts to you, our lives to you, and depending on you every single day. I just pray that you would just fill us, Lord, with your love as we surrender our hearts to you again. Jesus, we call on your name. We declare that you are Lord, that you are Savior, that you are the Messiah, and we offer our lives into your hands. We thank you for coming to save us and forgiving us of our sin, to deliver us from the power of sin, and to heal us from the brokenness of our sin so that we can be empowered by your Holy Spirit to not just live the life of fullness that you promised to give us, but to overflow to those around us, to take this good news, especially during this season of Christmas, and to share with people the real significance of your coming, that you have come to save us from our sins. Lord, may more people around us be saved this season. We pray in Jesus' name, in your name, Lord. Amen. Amen. I hope that you carry this in your heart. Over these next couple of weeks, look for simple ways to remind people the true meaning of Christmas, that God came, Jesus came, to save us from our sins. Share that good news with people around you. And now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in his name. Amen.